Tabernacle Presbyterian Church presents Sunday with Tab. Tabernacle Presbyterian Church, located at 34th and Central in Indianapolis, welcomes you to Sunday with Tab. Today, Pastor Bill Smoots delivers the message entitled, Fortnightly. We'll also have music from the Sanctuary Choir. So join us now from Tabernacle Presbyterian Church for Sunday with Tab.
The Old Testament reading is from 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 and 12b through 19. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David and all the people with him set out and went from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who was enthroned on the cherubim. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart with the ark of God. And Ahio went in front of the ark. David and all the house of Israel were dancing before the Lord with all their might, with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. It was told, King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed, Obedidom, and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. David but danced before the Lord with all his might. David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. They brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and offerings of well-being before the Lord. When David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the offerings of well-being, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed food among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, to each a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people went back to their homes. This is the word of the Lord. I really appreciate Andrew being here this morning. One of the most challenging parts of interim ministry is figuring out how a new interim congregation to you worships. What are, the, what are the movements? What are the, the subtle pieces that are so important and yet you wouldn't necessarily know that from looking at a bulletin? And so I'm grateful he's here and grateful for his leadership. Our gospel lesson is from John, the first portion of the second chapter. Let us hear now God's word for God's people. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. 
When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what concern is that to me and to you? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the person in charge of the banquet. So they took it. When the person in charge tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, that person called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you, you have kept the good wine until now. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. When I was a kid, the only mail I ever received were postcards from my in-town grandparents when they were taking their summer treks out into the western part of the United States, or the occasional Valentine's card from my out-of-town grandparents and the great aunts that I only rarely saw. So in August, right before I began seventh grade, when an official-looking letter in a business-sized envelope arrived at the house addressed to me, it was a big deal. I remember just staring at the envelope for a few minutes, savoring this rare experience, while trying to make sense of a return address that was not familiar to me, Webster Groves Fortnightly, on some street I did not know. Mom, who had called me into the kitchen and handed me the envelope, seemed anxious that I should open the letter. I made a point of finding the brass letter opener that was kept in a crock, which sat on a shelf in the corner cupboard, and was filled with pens and pencils and other assorted treasures and then trying to imitate how I had observed my grandfather Smoot's opening letters, I slit the top of the envelope very intentionally and pulled the sheet of paper out and unfolded it and began reading. It didn't take me more than a sentence or two to realize that this letter was toxic, this letter was radioactive, and I needed to get away from it as quickly as I could. Dear William, it began, an ominous start since I only got called William when I was in trouble, still do. Dear William, as you begin seventh grade, I'm pleased to invite you to participate in Fortnightly this school year. Fortnightly is an opportunity for young women and young men to gather one Friday night each month and learn the formal art of dancing. <laughs> Mom, who seemed to know what this vile letter was all about, <laughs> smiled and asked me what it said. 
I threw the letter on the kitchen table like it was burning my fingers and with a look of horror told her that it was an invitation to learn to dance with girls. (laughs) Then filled with the overwhelming angst that only a seventh grader can muster, I shouted that there was no way I would ever do something that crazy, and I ran down the hall to the safety and freedom of my bedroom, and I slammed the door. As I fled, I heard my mom say that she thought fortnightly sounded like a nice thing to do. I knew in that moment I was doomed. (laughs) Fast forward to a Friday evening a month hence in late September, as my parents dropped me and three friends off at the front door of the Monday Club. The four of us were wearing new clothes from head to toe, dress shoes, nice slacks, a shirt that had buttons on the collar, a real tie instead of a clip-on, one that choked a little bit. And the ensemble was topped off by this scratchy, odd-fitting thing called a sport coat. Each of us had taken a second shower of the day and had been encouraged to use deodorant and had to pass inspection before leaving our respective houses. Upon arrival, we slunk out of the car and through the front door of the club, prepared for certain calamity. Once inside, we encountered a large room lined with chairs down each side of it, All the girls who were wearing fancy dresses which seemed just as odd as our coats and ties, all the girls were on one side of the room talking excitedly, while all of us boys silently lined up on the other side of the room, looking as if we were soon to face a firing squad, staring at the floor hoping beyond hope that it would just suddenly open up and swallow us whole. Before my friends and I could formulate an escape plan, the well-dressed couple in the front of the room called us to attention and announced that for the next two hours, we would be learning the box step and the rudiments of waltzing. And then the man looked at us boys and said the absolute worst thing he could have possibly uttered, gentlemen, please find a partner. An interim pastor is much like a temporary dance partner. We are brought together by an event that is as surprising and maybe as unsettling as unexpected letters in August. The called and installed pastor here has moved on to well-deserved retirement in this case, but it is a separation. A separation that has caught some off guard for others perhaps was long overdue. And any time there is a change in an emotional system, a big change, a small change, any time there is a change in an emotional system like a family, like a church, any time there is a change in an emotional system, one of the consequences of change is individual and communal anxiety. Anxiety that can spur immense creative energy as the congregation 
pivots towards the fresh possibilities of God's future, anxiety that can fester in all manner of unhealthy and unhelpful actions and reactions and behaviors. The way things have been, the way we are used to things happening will be no more. Things have changed not only here at church, but we all have to acknowledge how things have changed in the world around us. For though it is further into the rearview mirror now than it used to be, we're still dealing with the fact that COVID has altered everything. Everything without exception in ways that we don't fully appreciate, in ways we may still yet not realize. Change is our constant companion in interim time. This is the word that we dread almost more than any other word in the English language, change, and it will not let us go. Interim time means change. Change from what has been to what will be. Change from settled routines to something else. Change from comfort to anxiety, perhaps. Change from anxiety to beginning to breathe again, perhaps. Change from a known dance partner to one who is unfamiliar, to one who has sweaty hands, to one who needs at least one more breath mint, to one who will undoubtedly step on our feet. Will it really be this bad? this interim time dancing, this in-between time dancing? Is there any hope that learning can take place with a temporary dance partner? Or should we just stay on our respective sides of the room and sit this dance out? Our second Samuel lesson describes a time of dancing as a time of exuberance and abundance and generosity. David is trying to set up Jerusalem as his capital city, but there is one major problem with his plans. The people of Israel have no historic or theological connections to Jerusalem. God has spoken to God's people on mountaintops and in the wilderness, but never in Jerusalem. But David likes Jerusalem. It's not far from his old stomping grounds of Bethlehem, and it sits in a place that is easily defended with a good water supply. And maybe, just maybe, David senses what others do not yet perceive, that God's Spirit inhabits Jerusalem in a unique and special way. As David is looking around for ways to legitimize Jerusalem, he remembers the Ark. The Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle of the Lord that Moses built to hold the tablets containing the Ten Commandments. For generations, the people of Israel believed that the Ark was literally God's presence in their midst. The Ark was such an object of uncontrollable power that those who touched it would die. When enemies tried to steal it, all sorts of 
horrible things would happen to them and their country. But in the time of Israel's kings, King Saul and King David, the ark was seen and treated with less importance. In fact, when David hit upon the idea of bringing the ark to Jerusalem in order to bestow divine legitimacy upon the city, everyone struggled to recall where the ark was. They had put it somewhere, but nobody could remember where. Finally, it was remembered that it was out in the country on somebody's farm, but nobody could recall his name. And then it hit a bin, a bin something, a bin a dab. Yes, that's it. And that's where they went. When David goes to collect the ark, he makes quite a production out of it. There is a huge parade and a marching band and food to drink, food to eat and drink to drink and presents for everyone. And above all, there is dancing. David and his officials dance with wild abandon. All the people along the parade route dance back with them. And the text even suggests that David dances so hard that he dances right out of his clothes, which was not pleasing to some. At Fort Knightley, we changed dance partners two or three times every night. Just as we were getting over the awkwardness of being so physically close to one partner, just as we were learning how to move with each other, our instructors had us find new partners, and we began the process all over again. But each time we started over, we were a little less nervous and got into the groove of the dance just a little bit more quickly. Interim time with an interim pastor, a temporary dance partner is challenging at first. We may not be sure about each other. We may not want to be here. We may find the whole experience awkward. We may struggle to move together with grace. And then just when we're figuring it out, just when we're getting in to the groove, it will be time for this congregation to call a new pastor, and I will move on. The walking stick I came in with today, it's kind of over there in the corner because I couldn't figure out a good place to put it. That walking stick will hopefully lean someplace up here for the duration of my time with you, and I will pick it up and carry it out on my last Sunday. The walking stick is a symbol of the temporary nature of our partnership, of the brief time that we will journey together. Now we could say that if things are only temporary, why bother? But I think that would be a horrible waste. A waste for you, a waste for me. I mean, just think about the amazing example of David and the dancing he did before the ark. His dancing was only temporary. He only danced long enough to go out and get the ark and bring it back to Jerusalem. But oh, what dancing he did. David's dancing was filled with energy and passion. His dancing was overflowing with abundance 
and generosity. Everyone went home that day filled and happy and gifted. What if we try to model our time together, this interim time, this time when we have been brought together as temporary dance partners? What if we try to work together, try to dance together with all the exuberance of David and his energy and passion and abundance and generosity? What if? What if? Let us also turn briefly to our gospel story and see in this story of Jesus' first miracle a loud announcement of God's generosity with us, God's generosity toward us. Because this story is at a wedding and is a celebration, I'm assuming that dancing takes place and that maybe even Jesus and his disciples joined in the dancing. But what really makes the story special to me is that when there is a need that Jesus can address, he is reluctant, but he does not refuse to make a difference. And the difference that Jesus makes is that of overwhelming abundance, which allows the party and allows the dancing to continue joyfully. We worship a God of abundance, a God who has brought us together for some temporary period of time that we may dance together and work together and pray together and listen for the Holy Spirit together. And so make us individually and all together as Tabernacle Presbyterian Church a more faithful, a more holy, a more gracious, a more generous place so that we can better understand God's future for us and for our church and so that we can better know what we need to do in order to get where God is calling us, where God is inviting us and so bring glory not only in getting there but even more importantly in the journey towards God's future. I'm excited about this time before us. I am humbled to be invited to be your interim pastor, your temporary dance partner. I look forward to our learning to move together. And I look forward to our embracing and imitating the generous and gracious abundance of God, which we see in the dancing of David and in the compassion of Jesus. Listen. Listen. Do you hear it? I know I do. The music is beginning. Shall we dance? You're listening to Sunday with Tab, a production of Tabernacle Presbyterian Church in Indianapolis. We hope you have found inspiration and comfort in today's program. There are many ways to enjoy today's message again. Subscribe to the Tab Podcast on your favorite podcast app or go to tabpres.org, tap on the graphic marked Sermons, and select the sermon you wish to hear. 
While there, you can also view the entire worship service. We invite you to join us for worship this morning at Tabernacle Presbyterian Church. We're located at the corner of 34th Street and Central Avenue in Indianapolis. At 8 a.m., we have a communion service in the chapel. And at 10 o'clock, a beautiful worship service in the sanctuary. The 10 o'clock service is also live streamed on our YouTube channel, Tab Indie. For all information on the services and streaming, go to tabpres.org. That's T-A-B-P-R-E-S dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and join us next week at the same time for Sunday with Tab. Tab.